0: Hi guys, uh, I'm Josh. Hi, I'm Gabriel. And welcome to our very first podcast. We, uh, we're obviously in lockdown and we can't do our usual videos, so we're going to try a podcast, a podcast uh, instead. And uh, today we're going to focus and
1: talk about the neck. Absolutely. So Josh, tell us something about the neck. What are the main features of this
0: uh, body structure? Well, the neck is quite a unique area of the body. Um, obviously, it's part of the spine, um, but it's a, it's a very unique part of the spine. So if we think about, say, sort of that upper mid back, that's a really sort of solid part of the spine. It's got our rib gauge. It protects lots of our organs. It's actually quite a really sort of strong, secure part of our spine. Our lower back. Provides us with quite a lot of movement. We bend a lot from there. Yes, it's vulnerable because of that. But again, we've got big supporting muscles. We've got all those core muscles, all those abdominal muscles that we think about around the lower back. So when we think about the neck, I think we sometimes forget actually that that's also an extension of the spine. Because then when we think about the next role, actually it's very, very unique in the way that it moves and the amount that it moves, right?
1: So if we think
0: about, say, the neck, if I want to look over my left shoulder, I can rotate my head all the way over to my left shoulder, roughly 90 degrees if I've got a decent range. I can then obviously go the opposite side. I mean, that's a 180-degree degree swing just from being able to just to rotate my head around my neck. So that's a massive amount of movement. And I think this is probably one of the – Biggest things that we see with the neck and it's, it's a great, great thing that we can move like that. Um, but it leaves us potentially vulnerable because like what we discussed in that shoulder video that we did, Gab, when you've got a lot of movement, you need to have the strength, support, control of the muscles to be able to support that movement, right?
1: Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I think that's one of the one of the one of the big features that we that we, we think about with the neck. Um, and I think because of that, that muscle control is really, really important. So one of the things that we tend to focus on in clinic is what are some of the muscles around the neck doing or more importantly, maybe what are they not doing and how can we look at those working better? and support in the neck, um, you were you were thinking before we, we did this about sort of the relationship with our ability to look in different directions and the fact that that neck and the neck allows us to do that, just uh, talk to us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so uh, one of the theory behind the evolutionary reason of such a great range of mobility in the neck is that uh, it allows us to expand our field of view. So the fact that we can turn our heads so much, as well as uh, looking up to a very decent degree um, from a survival point of view, is, uh, is very important. It's key. And uh, that reflects us in a way, even our choices in the clinic. Because uh, if I have to choose which movement to prioritize in terms of rehabilitation, I always choose the rotation. Because you can think about it, you're driving or you're crossing the road. It's key for you to be able to look on your right and your left. It's a matter of safety, yeah. And um, and that's something we, we should always remember uh, to focus on when we treat the neck. Do you agree with that? Yeah.
0: Absolutely. I like the idea though that we're thinking about like evolutionary and like things in danger. So like obviously thousands and thousands of years ago, we were checking our shoulders to see whether um, you know a tiger is chasing after us or whatever. Whereas now. It's like, oh, pass us that, will you? <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> and the lives are obviously completely different. But I think you're absolutely right. And in, um, I think what the rotation element, especially, is often something that I see in patients complaining about when they're driving. Oops. So it's like, oh, I really can't check my shoulder to sort of see whether, and actually, to be honest, in all seriousness, there's an element of danger in that. Obviously, you can't, can't check that blind spot um it's obviously joking slightly about that but um i think that factor and that ability to rotate like you said is so so important and i think um yeah i think i would approach things quite similarly when they we were in clinic is what is that rotation doing um can we improve it is it restricted okay fine it's restricted let's get that better because it's such a an important element of the neck right absolutely absolutely i agree Andrew. yeah So one of the things we have to think about, Gab, with the neck, um, like we mentioned before, is yes, it's an extension of the spine, right? So we said before, uh, lower back, mid-upper back, and then the neck. And we often forget that that neck is part of that spine. But obviously, it's got a massive relationship with other surrounding structures um, and shoulder specifically. When you're in clinic, when you're dealing with patients, when you're thinking about that area of the body, what are some of the things that you think about with the neck and then its relationship to some of those surrounding structures, especially maybe maybe the shoulder?
1: Yeah, I believe that uh, the neck, the upper thoracic spine and the shoulder, uh, including the shoulder blade itself, are a functional unit. So if yeah. one, of, of, one of those components is not working very well, uh, then we might have problems in the surrounding neighbor structure. So <clears throat> uh, more often than not, um, a neck issue might uh, cause problems further down the line, so shoulder blade movement, shoulder itself. uh but if I have a very restricted shoulder, for example, uh I would still look at the neck because the neck might be suffering just as a compensatory um solution from the body. so yeah. uh from a pure mechanical point of view the connection between uh, neck and shoulder, if you want to simplify a bit, is uh, uh, is, is fundamental. And uh, a limitation in one of the two uh, structures will affect the other to a point. Then if I have to to say uh, most of the time uh, a shoulder problem might be caused by a neck issue rather than the other way around, but we can't rule it out completely. Uh, yeah. So yeah, and the other very important structure that links the uh, neck to the the arm are the, the nerves. Do you want to explain us why?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think this is one of the next sort of major significant um, what's my, what the word is but one of the, one of its major sort of uh, things that we need to consider when we think about the neck is the fact that actually all the nerves that supply to the, upper, up to the upper limb, to our arm, come from the neck. So just like the nerves that go into our legs come from our lower back, um, the nerves that supply our arm, shoulder, elbow, all the way down to the hand and wrist, um, all come from the neck. So when we're thinking about the neck and we're thinking about it working well, we have to really take into consideration the fact that actually is the neck getting us to a point where actually some of these nerves then become at risk? And you must have heard this before in clinic where patients sort of said, oh, it feels like a trapped nerve. Well, if they not, it's actually not because they're not really displaying any nervy symptoms. And by that, we mean sort of your classic sort of pins and needles, numbness, altered sensation type sort of scenario. But obviously, actually, if that is the case, we know that any problem in the neck leading to a potential nerve issue is then going to have consequences for the rest of the arm. and I think what you were saying obviously before with the uh, with the point with the shoulder is that we've got to make sure that we consider the neck's importance to the rest of the well rest of the body but obviously specifically to those surrounding surrounding areas. So yeah, absolutely shoulder shoulder blade. but then yeah like what we're saying if we think specifically about the nerves, and the fact that that's a unique um sort of point of note within the neck that our nerves uh, that supply our arm come from there. We've got to make sure is uh, when we're in clinic and also, you know, for our for our patients to be aware that that's the case. And for a happy, healthy neck. We want all the things around the neck working well so that things like the nerves then don't be potentially become vulnerable. And not only do we then wake up with a neck issue, but we've then developed a neck issue, which is then starting to affect the arm and the surrounding structures as well. Um A point I was thinking about before when you were saying about the shoulder, I often, when I'm dealing with patients, almost just take it for granted. If they've got neck pain, they're going to have a shoulder issue. And if they've got a shoulder issue, they're going to have a neck issue. And... When I'm saying issue, I don't necessarily even mean pain. Yeah. I'm talking about those compensations with that we see, right? So an area is vulnerable because it's, you know, it's in pain or whatever. Well, then that, that flack, that effort has to be taken from somewhere else. And um, we commonly see that, right? Where you've got muscles around the shoulder working so, so hard to try and keep everything together. Yeah. <laughs> and some sort of support, Um so I think that's and that's the thing we're sort of thinking about here, with keeping in consideration the fact that the nerves go into the arm. We want that neck to be working well, so that actually those things don't become vulnerable, and we've got um, everything working, you know, as 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 we want it to be.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. And if we can do an example that I think many people have experienced in their life. Is uh, an overactivation of the upper tract. so this, this muscle here. This is yeah. probably the key structure in terms of um, uh, that people are aware of. Uh, yeah. The links the neck and the, and the shoulder functionally, and and usually an overactivation might be due to posture posture, for example. Uh, yeah. But it can develop into more serious issues just because of a lack of uh, proper movement in that region and this is an area where pretty much everybody who has been working on the computer for long enough uh, would know uh, what kind of discomfort it can cause and what kind of rigidity in the neck so um, do you happen to treat a lot of uh, patients with postural issue? Is this something that uh, you see often?
0: Yeah, I think we're seeing more and more of it right now, right? so i mean lockdown our lifestyles completely changed um we think for instance some people as they go into work they might walk there they might cycle they might run at the minute your commute is basically walking a few steps down the stairs from your bedroom uh, to potentially even maybe say the sofa and working on a laptop or computer or whatever from the sofa i mean which is far less than ideal <laughs> And um, and you we're generally seeing well, I definitely am uh, with some of the virtual sessions that we're doing a lot of issues neck being a big one, um uh, just purely because of people's life from sort of morning to evening on a day to day basis has completely looked different. They're maybe not as active, they're putting themselves in positions that they wouldn't ordinarily do. And more often than not, those positions are actually static and held for a long period of time. So if we think about posture and we think about neck, for instance, we typically, if we think about a really bad postural position, we can all sort of picture that imagination. It's that thing that when we're at school, teachers go, no, back straight. Shoulders back, you know, it's that upright sort of position is what we're after, but we all know what it looks like when it's gone wrong. And it's sort of that really sort of curled over, hunched position, shoulders are drawn forward. But then what we actually don't necessarily think about so much is then the effect of the neck when we're in, in that position. And it really brings the neck forward into sort of really sort of poked forward position. And actually, to come back to the nerve stuff we were talking about before, actually, that makes it the nerves actually really potentially vulnerable in that position. So if we think about, if I sort of turn onto the, side onto the camera for those that are watching, and um, for the ones that are just listening, I'll, I'll explain. But we're in that slump position and we sort of poke our head forwards. The neck is then really in an extended position, almost as if we're looking up to the ceiling, up, up to the sky. And that places a lot of stress in the joints and actually closes the space for those nerves. So, then, like I said earlier, they're really potentially vulnerable. And um that's a common, common pattern that we see. And like I said, we're just seeing more and more of it because people are sat at home, not really anything else to do. And also the people that maybe wouldn't ordinarily just be sat for long periods of time and now sat for long periods of time. And developing issues um off the back of that so yeah i think posture is a big one and a big one when we think about the neck um and like we said before it's, it's relationship with the rest of the spine and the surrounding areas is that actually if we look after those areas as well we can also look after the neck so being in a more upright position which obviously comes from other parts of the spine automatically places your neck in a better position having your shoulders Plays back and sort of brought back and not sort of slumped forward and brought forward brings your neck into a more upright and better position uh, so these are really simple things that I think people can consider and think about and, um, and look to try and keep an eye on um for themselves on a on a day-to-day basis but yeah neck posture go hand in hand for definitely
1: yeah, I totally agree. And I think uh, a lot of patients often ask, especially in this period where we're still in lockdown, um, what can I do to help myself? And for sure, we can do some specific strategies, uh, stretches, strengthening exercise to um, straighten up the posture that our new lifestyle is forcing us into. But I think the first step is uh, to move a little bit more I know the uh excuses to do exercises are very little at the moment with the gym clothes and most of the outdoor sports closed as well. but truth is that we're still allowed to go out once a day, and I think a walk or a jog can take it can take us a long way into starting the yeah. process of feeling better, so I suggest that um everybody who's in in that situation where they feel like their posture is uh, degrading and they feel stiffer and stiffer, uh, mm. make sure you walk at least once a day because that will change your posture for half an hour, an hour, and I'm sure you'll feel better. Then, of course, there are more serious situations or more uh, uh, advanced uh, issues that might need specific uh, treatment, but just a change of posture, change of activity, move a little bit more, and you'll see the benefits yeah. of that.
0: Yeah absolutely and I think just as a final point on that, one of the things that I've been advising to patients when typically I've given them maybe a couple of exercises to be working on in the meantime before I next see them I've generally said you know think about maybe a time in the day where you can just set aside 10-15 minutes to get your exercises done whereas now I think because actually people's lives are looking very different to maybe not they're not losing time because they've got to commute to work or whatever it is. And they're, they're obviously at home. I've actually shifted my focus to that import and exercise has been much more regular. So actually rather than say setting aside 10, 15 minutes, I'm almost spreading that 10, 15 minutes over the course of a day with patients. And I'll just say, do something every hour. So literally every hour, just a 30 second stretch done. Okay. Fine. And then you crack on with whatever you need to do work wise. Or back to homeschooling or whatever it might be. And then the next hour comes around. Okay, fine. Now you're going to do this strengthening and exercise and you're going to do this many repetitions, but one set done. And then, and trying to create a bit more of that regularity, um, of the exercises throughout the day, just so that we're putting our body in different positions and not like I was saying, just getting sort of stuck in set postures. Um, and and asking our body different movement questions is, 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 I think, the the important thing. Absolutely. So, we like to uh, have this section of the podcast um, for your questions answered. So, um, the neck is an area of the body that we often get asked about and brings about so many questions. Um, So, we're going to try and just answer a few, um, answer a couple of things that sort of often crop up uh, within the neck and we will try and answer them as best we possibly can, right, Gab? Absolutely. So we've actually had a uh, a question in from Dwayne in Redford uh, in Nottinghamshire and he asks, why do I wake up with a stiff neck? So that's a very good question, Josh.
1: What's your answer to it?
0: <laughs> you want me to take this one, do you? Okay, fine. I do. Um, <laughs> I mean, why do we wake up stiff? Uh, to, to some degree, I mean, that's a you know, you could be here for hours discussing that. But I think one of the many misconceptions that people have, especially with the neck, and especially wake up waking up in the middle of the, uh, waking up in the middle of the night, waking up in the morning with a stiff neck, is the fact that they automatically assume that they must have slept in a horrible position. Now, don't get me wrong, if you're in a horrible position, that's going to hurt your neck. So if you've got, let's just go, silly example, seven pillows and you're at a really horrible angle, well, of course that's going to hurt because your neck is not designed to be in that position for any of time. Alternatively, opposite is true. Like if your neck is hanging down, you've not got maybe sufficient support. Again, it might hurt your neck. But that's not comfortable for any length of time. And we don't sleep unless we're in a comfortable position. Um, so more often than not, actually, the real reason that we wake up with neck pain um, or a stiff neck is actually the stuff that happens when we're not awake. And uh, when we're not asleep, sorry. And when we're awake. So if we think about a typical day. Let's say, for instance, I'm right-handed. That means I'm going to be using my right arm more in the day than I'm probably going to be using my left arm, which means that actually I'm going to be using the muscles around my neck differently. So I'll have certain muscles on the right side of my neck that will have to adjust because I'm using my right arm all the time. I've maybe got muscles on the left side that I've stabilized and counterbalancing because I'm always using my, my right arm. Which then means that if I've got a scenario where maybe muscles are overworking, they don't like that. <laughs> the muscles in our body loves comfort zone. And so if we take the idea that our muscles become a little bit unhappy when they're overworked and stressed. And then when we're static and still, they're given opportunity to tighten. And they're more likely to tighten when they're a bit stressed and a bit unhappy. Well, then that tightness could increase, right? And if we're at our most static and our most still at nighttime, well, then there's a massive opportunity then for those muscles to tighten up over that time and for us to wake up in the morning and go, oh, God, what's happened there? And like I said, automatically assume that it's because we've been in a funny position while we've been sleeping. In actual fact, this happens all in the background without us realising. And those tight muscles, those aggravated muscles from stress and working and blah that. Get chance to tighten up when we're sleeping. And we often see that as sort of that main reason of why we wake up with a stiff neck. Yeah. It's that. Yeah, I think that's a that's pretty fair, right? It is, yeah, no, I agree with it. Yeah. Hopefully that answers the question, right? Um but yeah, I think that's um I think that's one like I said, one of the misconceptions that we often see is people assuming that it's with especially with sleeping, that it's position or even maybe the mattress. Again, ends of extremes are always gonna be bad. If you're somewhere in the middle, I think you're gonna generally be okay. We're not going to sleep unless we're comfortable. So if your mattress is uncomfortable, you're probably not going to fall asleep. If your pillows are an awkward height, awkward position, you're not going to sleep. So we generally look for a comfortable position to sleep in. So like I said, barring the extremes, the likelihood is actually that the muscles are given chance to tighten up while we're sleeping. And then we wake up in in the morning, having had been static for all that time. And our muscles then go, whoa, I'm really, really tight and I'm going to let you know about it. <laughs> so, uh, we were talking the other day, actually, Gab, weren't we? Um, a bit about whiplash and, um, you were saying basically that often comes up in sessions with patients about the concept of whiplash and the neck and, and questions around that so just talk to us a little bit about that and what are some of the things that patients often sort of ask you uh, regarding whiplash and obviously specifically about the neck in that situation
1: yeah so <clears throat> um, whiplash is a frequent injury we say uh, mainly due to car accident and one of the common features is that the neck for a period of time becomes rigid and stiff and, and often sore um, and uh, from our perspective we often need to address the fear that the patients have that uh, moving that stiff and sore neck might damage even more on their neck uh, when there's nothing um, so far from the truth uh, what we actually suggest um, as soon as um, the pain start reducing and the situation improves a bit to start moving and pushing a little bit in those movement direction uh, especially the rotation we talked about before so that the body becomes confident again into, um uh, using those range of movements and the muscles that actually allow us our neck to, to work, uh, well. Um what I often say as a joke to patients is that the only thing that will clearly make them worse again is another car accident. And I'm not uh, trying to <laughs> tempt faith here, but, uh, that's the truth most of the time. Yeah. yeah.
0: And that, and that's because more often than not, I mean, I'm trying to think of what percentages would be, and there will be a statistic out there, but it'll be in single figures, I assume, of the whiplash cases where in actual fact, where there has been structural damage, more often than not, actually what we're seeing is the body going in that almost protection mode, where muscles just really really tighten up because they didn't like the excessive force, rather than actually, we know, we were seeing anything that's torn or sprained or anything like that right so yeah <laughs> I understand the point and I understand the question because actually what you're trying to say to patients is look don't worry move because yeah, exactly. the only thing as a hurdle that you've got in your way is the fact that it hurts True. actually we don't have structural damage and the, the force has come and gone and like you said Fingers crossed it's not going to happen again. Um, So actually, let's, let's just slowly start to move. Let's, let's start that process of recovery and, um, and almost to some, to some extent, not let that pain get in the way, right? It's like the more we're moving, the more that neck is starting to restore its movement, the easier it's going to feel in that mid to long term. Um, Yeah. And of
1: of course we're not talking about the same day of the accident or, the couple of weeks following it, but often enough yeah. we see patients five months after the accident that is, are still yeah. very restricted in movement and is, still have a high level of pain and protection and more often than not is because they've been overprotective with, with their neck. They yeah. avoided movement for so long and that just uh, dragged the situation on and on until they yeah. uh, get over that fear, basically. Yeah, definitely. Yeah,
0: yeah. no, it's... it's I think as well when we when you think about a patient where um, they're in and they've you know like you said the car accident was four five six months ago. For those that are listening, um, you know our body roughly has about a six week healing recovery period. So if you damage something, give or take, it'll roughly take about six weeks to heal. So if you're still experiencing that high level pain, that sort of irritation and problem few months down the line chances are that it's not because of something that's damaged because actually well then that healing that healing period should should have occurred by now um so there must be another reason um and like like we're saying with something like that let's get moving because it's that protection mode and that that retreating from movement that actually just just hindering things yeah absolutely yeah
1: So thanks for listening to us. Uh, we hope you found the information we shared today useful. And of course we suggest you to seek for uh, our help and advice um, if you have a more serious problem with your neck or with, uh, with any other region of the body. Um, Please send us questions in the future because we're going to do more podcasts like this. And um, if you have anything specific that you would like us to answer, uh, we will do that with uh, with pleasure. So um, where can they find us, Josh, and uh, uh, they will see more videos of us in the future?
0: Yes, yeah, so if you haven't already, uh, like we said, this is our first podcast. We uh, hope you enjoyed it. We've done previous, uh, video, um, sessions before, workshops before, which you can find on YouTube, um, for any updates and info, um, on the company and when we'll be back face to face, all of that you can find on our social media, uh, Instagram, Facebook, or you could go on the website as well. Um, so yeah, so, um, get in touch if you need anything. We're here to help. Um, and we will catch you all soon, whether it'll be a video or a podcast. Take care.
1: Ciao, ciao.